Welcome back to Startup Sparks and Serendipity. Um, we are back again trying to discover new ways of understanding startups, but also um, finding ways to bring sparks into your lives, but also into our lives. And also serendipitous moments are part of the podcast. So uh, let's kick it off. Uh, great to be back. Hi, Mike. How are you doing? Hey, Max, doing really well. I had a very productive week and that is always a very, <laughs> very contributing factor to my overall happiness. So doing extremely well. What about you? It's good to hear. I mean, yeah, we're starting now with the first time recording on Friday evening, which uh, somehow is a cool, uh, I don't want to say a cool finisher of the week, but I think it's a great um, setback again to also reflect on the weekend. It gives me some positive um, outlook into the next week. Yeah, I I agree. Like there's a lot of stuff has already happened in the week, which is which is nice. Uh, how does your work week look like? Do you work Monday through Friday? Do you usually work weekends? Do you work weekends on exceptions? Do you have any structure there? Uh, not really. I, I, somehow I do actually. I, I try to have one weekend a day off, like without any work related tasks doesn't mean that i'm not doing something for myself i usually like for the moment i do different courses on the weekend or i try to do a reading day where i try to pick out a certain topic and i read about something or i listen to a couple of podcasts related to to this specific topic so that's usually how i try to to spend um at least one day on the weekend um but usually I have some overlaying tasks that come into um, Saturday and I try to spend some time that I didn't really finish over the week, but, um, it's not really that I have a clear structure. It also depends how the week went and if I need some relax moments or, or not. So that's kind of, it depends really how my body tells me what to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. At, at my company, we actually have a fairly not strict structure because if you need some time in between, you can always take time off <laughs> if you like feel unwell or if anything else has happened or if you just like sometimes you just need a day off right so if you actually need it you just take it but generally we just work from monday mornings through saturday early evening and we have our kickoff monday morning and then our weekly review saturday evening and then sunday is always free which wasn't always the case when we when we started out we literally worked seven days a week basically every like basically every day right sure and then you realize that it's a it's a marathon <laughs> Exactly, exactly. So that's that's very helpful. And my Sundays are, yeah, often a lot of reading, sports, depending on where I am, and depending on the external circumstances, meeting friends, spending time with family. Do you get inspired by nature and more or less the the art of being in nature and uh, and using that as a way of thinking through problems and issues that you have in mind? Or is nature not really a part of, of that process yet? It is not as much like one of my co-founders really, really loves nature. And he literally goes on Sunday morning hikes whenever we are in San Francisco and enjoys it a lot. Like once I'm in nature, I actually enjoy it as well, but I'm not the typical like hiker or anything like that. I, I, <laughs> I prefer to spend my time elsewhere, but I really enjoy having some like a park nearby or like just trees and some some semblance of nature is, is very helpful. And then whenever I'm back home, like where I grew up, I literally grew up 30 seconds from like a very large field. And there, it's, it's really nice to just be able to see for like 
just basically ever and having all of this free space and then there are rabbits and some like live um, there's some wild birds flying around i really enjoy that i really really enjoy that and mm-hmm. uh, during the pandemic i spent some time back at home with my brother and my family and i was out there every single day and it really calmed my mind and was very helpful okay interesting i mean that's something that i also observe now as being in COVID, uh, looking at screens all day i think nature has gotten a different value uh, in regards to previous times where you had the opportunity to go outside of your office with a couple of colleagues and enjoy nature, let's say in a more um, communicative way with colleagues and friends. And now it's more or less something also to keep your mind calm and, and focus on the most stressing issues. But just, I was just curious um, about that topic. Um, I mean, today we have a couple of interesting fields we wanted to discuss, one being a new format. Um, which you invented. So maybe as you are the inventor, I don't want to, I don't want to spit out the words too fast. Maybe you can give a hint on what, what you want to touch upon. Yeah. First, one last point on the nature thing. I think there's empirical research that actually shows that being in nature or actually looking at pictures of nature is very beneficial for your mental health. Also the, um, being in forests, uh, apparently, according to different research studies, is more powerful than being more or less in a street environment or in a louder environment. Yeah. So there are different studies. Yeah, makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So one thing that I wanted to introduce to the podcast is something like a news flash, because there is always so much stuff happening and we can't talk about everything in much detail so i thought for things that we think are maybe worth mentioning or just deserve a couple of seconds but we don't want to dive too deep into it we just talk about the headlines maybe give one more sentence and then just talk about four or five things so that everyone who's listening just gets some new information maybe they actually want to research it so they can do some additional google research after and figure out more about it and maybe not maybe they just learned a very quick tidbit that they can use uh, whenever they need something to talk about. So let's see. Uh, Today I have, and we obviously will mostly focus on things that happen in the tech startup ecosystem. So interestingly, like one fact that I read is that Amazon has added 427,300 employees in the last 10 months. That's a decent city that they added to their workforce. And it's an average of 1,400 people per day. So right now they have more than 1,200,000 employees and they, they increased it over 50% since, since last year. And that's, that's pretty sick. So that's, that's fun fact number one. I wonder how the HR system uh, needed to adapt to scaling ways of the architecture when yeah the problem is there's not really many things that they can use as like a benchmark right there's like a couple of chinese companies and i think a couple of asian companies in general that have more employees but not too many that's true i think walmart is the biggest one in the u.s but not sure about that yeah i think so it probably is i mean most tech companies don't need that many employees no usually not yeah okay next headline uh Basically, it's about every social media app converging into one because Snapchat added TikTok-like spotlights, Twitter added Snapchat-like fleets, and stories are basically everywhere now. And originally, they were only... uh, LinkedIn has stories now. (laughs) It's funny. Yeah, Yeah. and no one needs it. No one actually wants it. So, yeah, everything is a bit 
looking the same. And it just depends on like which people are actually on there. Obviously, there's still big differences, but apparently like most of these things are converging, which is an interesting concept that we won't discuss in detail right now. Mm. But it's just something that I, I think was worth mentioning, worth mentioning since it opens a lot of interesting second order consequences. Maybe there's space for a different social media app or maybe that makes marketing on these different social media sites more comparable and makes it easier for you. I don't know. You can use that information for whatever you want. We are just doing the news flash, so we won't talk about it uh, forever. Just, just, just one comment. I mean, like in back, back in the old days, you also used, uh, used kind of network effects of um, when, when you had a, when you created a social media app, you more or less enabled the user to share information on other social media apps in order to use the network effect. I feel like when everybody does the same now, that kind of reduces the amount of sharing being done across different platforms, which I think is something to observe as well when you compare that to a bit of the old product structure that people used in order to, to use the network effect. Yeah, things, things change quickly. And history moves in circles. I have one actually very similar to that headline that I think is very interesting. Headline? Okay. Um, Go ahead. It's about audio again. What else? Max and audio. Of course. Never ending love story. <laughs> Never ending love story. Um, so uh, Twitter just announced actually that they will t test the first voice chat rooms within Twitter. Um, so similar to what um, you help need to help me here now, Mike. What's the company again? Clubhouse. Called? Clubhouse. Yeah. So I think the general principle of Clubhouse that raised a lot of money pre-product in San Francisco is more or less now being applied to the Twitter ecosystem where people can jump into uh, groups on Twitter and they can have a conversation about certain topics. And I am very passionate about it. Uh, I haven't used it. Will be a will be a hellhole. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, of course. Twitter. It depends like how they're gonna structure it. I think that's gonna be the biggest challenge. But I think I'm super excited that they finally they activate it. Yeah, I think it it will be amazing, and it could open up a lot of new opportunities to just chat with people all over the world about very interesting topics. Mm -hmm. But it will also be a hellhole. I'm very convinced. <laughs> I'm very convinced. Sure. It's not a head headline I had on the agenda but actually clubhouse is getting a lot of flack from i think more the like left of the political spectrum in the us because they apparently have given the platform to or like accepted some people on the platform that were more associated with conservative or alt right thoughts so there's some kind of small not war but like some kind of uh, clash between uh, some very uh, vocal people on both sides. So I'm very interested to see how that will evolve on Twitter because Twitter literally has everyone, right? They have everyone from the like extreme fringes of the political spectrums to all different industries. It's it will be very interesting. I agree. And we can like once that actually once that actually happens, we probably will talk about it in detail here, anyways, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Audio first. Audio, Audio first. first, yeah. Okay, another headline. Uh, Coinbase uh, just shared an internal email to the public about an upcoming New York Times story. And the upcoming New York Times story uh, alleged that several black employees had negative experiences at Coinbase. But I, I don't want to go into too much detail there because I don't know all of the context. What I was very interested about is the actual PR strategy of preempting a New York Times article by officially like already stating what will be in it 
and pre-answering potential questions. So they, they literally took the most like important concept, what they would think would happen in the article and just prepared counter arguments already and published an FAQ. And they did it at first internally for their employees, I think. So because they were afraid that maybe like people from their family or friends would read it, would get a negative view on it and like, I think wanted to prepare their employees. But now they also shared it with the public, which is interesting, right? I, I can't really judge whether it was a good PR move or a bad PR move. And on Twitter, there was a very big discussion about whether it was good or bad or to be to be determined. But it was it was very interesting because usually companies don't do that. Yeah, it's an interesting kind of de-risk strategy because of course it has some form of impact on the risk of an article being out there that has not been answered yet from the company itself. So I think um, I think like the the big car manufacturers in Germany have also done that on a couple of topics where they were aware of certain things going in the wrong direction and they pre-published some information about it before the media did. But um, I didn't really see that a lot recently. Yeah, I mean, it makes some sense because you you think that you can control the conversation, right? If you are the first one who breaks it. Yep. But it will be, will be interesting to see the long-term consequences because maybe publications don't give them enough time to really answer in the future, right? If they know Coinbase does that, they won't give them 48 hours to comment on things, which they did right now, but maybe they just give them an hour and say, well, like... You can like comment on it, but in an hour we'll publish. So yeah, it will be very interesting. Mm, yeah, good point. Uh, next headline. Uh, that's uh, I have two more. Next headline. Uh, AWS experienced outages in North America. Uh, I think yesterday, no, two days ago. I think they affected many websites and services like Flickr, Adobe, and others. But the funny thing is that literally some like some electronic gadgets in the houses of people would stop working. So some of the robo vacuum cleaners just didn't work anymore because they were connected to AWS. <laughs> and um, it's, it's very funny to think about like how much influence AWS has. And if AWS would go down, like hmm. a significant part of the internet would go down. Yeah, that's a good point. So uh, that's, that's very, very, it was a very interesting and like fun thing to happen right didn't really hurt too many people i think uh, no. i hope mm -hmm. uh, at least that's that's what i got from the headlines and the articles but it just shows how big aws is and that even things where you wouldn't expect it are influenced by it crazy i thought they are quite secure about these outages but hmm. oh yeah they have very very few outages they literally yeah. have uh, in like 99.999999 percent uptime mm -hmm. something like that I, I had to look it up recently because one of our potential like uh, partners wanted to like know how we mm. structured our right. like security and our uptime etc so i looked at the certificates that aws offers mm. interesting and they have very good uptime uh, which just took a hit and <laughs> one very interesting headline that we probably will talk about in more detail if it actually turns out to be happening is that Salesforce is holding tasks to acquire Slack. Slack, yeah, big one. I have also read that. That's a big one. That would be a very big one. I mean, that's going to be like, maybe they are a bit too late. They should have bought Zoom and Slack maybe a couple of years ago already um, to be the best competitor against Microsoft. But uh, yeah. now it's going to be quite expensive. <laughs> uh, yeah, 17 billion is what's rumored. Yeah. 
that's a lot of money, but Salesforce also, the, the share price has increased a lot. I think they had 120 billion right yeah. now. I don't know. Yeah, it, it would be a very big acquisition. But I would love it. I think it would bring a lot of action into the American market um, when it comes to building up new competitors against Microsoft. Because Google hasn't really done any like any specific things against messaging. So I think when when Salesforce is going to approach that market, they're going to be in direct fire with Google and the other players, Facebook with Workplace by Facebook as well. So I think. Um, it's going to be an interesting challenge. Yeah. Is, is anyone actually using Workplace by Facebook? I literally don't. I don't know anyone. I know. Yeah, it's funny. I know some enterprise companies oh, that are using it, which I found even more interesting because Facebook is uh, in, in such a bad place sometimes in the enterprise world, but also on the consumer side that companies even invest money for a communication tool. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but just observing it was quite <laughs> yeah one, one quick uh, by the way that was my last headline and uh, you listeners can tell us whether you like the news flash I, I, I particularly enjoy it because it just gives us a lot of topics to talk about very briefly but uh, you can tell mm. us what you think and then we'll see whether we continue with it however one fun fact about communication tools i did a lot of yc mock interviews in the past couple of weeks because it's yc interview season again and i really enjoy them and i i got like lots of calendar invites from different people. And I helped one German team and they sent me a Microsoft Teams invite as the only the only company out of everyone, which makes sense because they are more in the enterprise sector, but I was uh, very confused and I definitely clicked a couple of like wrong things when I did my my team setup because I hadn't really used it before. Uh, it's a, it works a bit differently than Zoom or Hangouts uh, mm. does. So that was an uh, interesting side fact. Yeah, I need to use it also a lot, uh, talking to enterprise customers a bit here and there, but uh, definitely need to get used to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, I think we want to switch to the next topic. By the way, because I think that the, the transition is quite interesting because I, uh, talking about communication tools, um, we have observed mm -hmm. that there are kind of different um, startups now, of course, that are more that are definitely more pushed nowadays than maybe a couple of years ago, but they are building virtual headquarters. Um, and I think this is a super mm -hmm. interesting topic. Um, so uh, maybe you can explain in like one to two sentences what they do. I have a couple of comments that that I've had in mind in my mind, but maybe you can give an intro on what how you how you understood the articles and and what they do, what the product offers. Yeah, I I don't know if you know, but I actually have some experience with that going way back. Okay. Because one of my first internships that I did in Silicon Valley was at a startup that was literally building a virtual headquarter. Interesting. So. Uh, basically back then that was like many years ago, I learned about like all of the like virtual headquarter debates and for, for everyone, a virtual headquarter is basically what the name says. It's a virtual area in whatever way, shape or form possible. We can talk about it later. That is meant as an office space that complements or sometimes completely takes over the actual physical office. So it's basically building virtual office spaces. And uh, the company that I worked for back in the day or interned for, they were doing it in a way where you had a map of a virtual office and then you had a, a round bubble 
as your like uh, like circle as your avatar you could like join different rooms by moving the bubble or clicking on clicking on a specific room and then once you enter the room and you were in the same room with the avatar of someone else then you automatically connected to an audio chat and you could just talk to them and you could you could lock your doors and you could put everyone in the meeting room and then you could put your video on and it was so much fun because i could work from everywhere but i always had this like this this feeling of literally working with the people so I, I very much enjoyed that. And this is this new trend is basically this. And they are bringing it to a new level. And funnily, like some of these things look very close to what the startup back then was building. And the startup is still alive. They, they hasn't really the like big rocket ship trajectory, but still alive, still doing decent, decently well. But yeah, now there are more and more people coming into it because of COVID. There's a lot of money flowing into it. And there's some very interesting things happening. And I think mm. my, my personal opinion is that these virtual headquarters will definitely be the future of doing work remotely, at least for some businesses, because it's just so much more fun. It's a bit like, like going through a dungeon in like a video game, but everything is obviously friendlier. And maybe you have an, a virtual office dog that you can pet. So uh, it, it's just way more fun than just doing, okay, here's my calendar. I click on the Zoom invite. Now I'm in a Zoom meeting. Okay, now I click on the Hangouts invite. Now I'm there. It's, it's a lot of potential, I think. I, I, I couldn't agree. I, when I saw it first time, and I knew about virtual headquarters, but when I kind of first saw some products um, that are what is being explored at the moment, I, I, I loved it. I think it's super interesting, um, especially also considering the different implications that a virtual headquarter can have. I mean, also imagining you want to invite a customer um, to a virtual headquarter. Is that customer going to be in a waiting room and then you come and, and pick him up and, and, and you have a first kind of small talk conversation before you enter a, an official meeting room? How is that more or less physical interaction with a customer or with a client or with a user um, is going to happen in a virtual environment? And I think there's so much opportunity um, to also be very niche and go vertical with different virtual headquarter applications that it's not just, I think it's not going to be the winner takes it all. They're going to be different solutions focusing on different problems, ranging from enterprise environments where there are different interactions happening on different floors, potentially to, let's say, more startup environments where you just want to chat with your colleague and solve a certain problem in, the, in, the, in your designs or in your product or whatever it is. And I, I mean, one of them I think was called Branch, if I, if I remember um, correctly. Um, yeah, Branch. And it's, it's built by Gen Z gamers, apparently. So they have been they've been very big on Minecraft for several years. And then they came up with the idea of building a virtual headquarter, which of course is also used and, and what is complemented by the learnings that they have had using, using different, different games. And it just, I think it addresses the needs of tomorrow where people are, people don't want to stress around anymore with clicking on a zoom link and it, it causes a lot of fatigue because people need to jump from one meeting to the other. There's not, no really small talk happening anymore. There's no really physical interaction happening anymore. And Zoom and, and other communication channels don't really make it better in that sense. Um, and I think they're going to solve a certain problem at, at the moment where people are very fatigued after five days of being in Zoom calls all day and they make it much more gamified and personal. Um, and I think that's very great. And I think one quote actually to finalize my comment is, I think that one of the founders of one of the virtual headquarter products, he said, or he summarized the product in the sentence of, 
it's just that the future of transportation is no transportation. And I thought I loved it. I think that was more or less on point of what they're trying to solve and what their mission statement could be. Yeah. And uh, this is why I love it so much because it's right at the intersection of gaming and working, which like funnily enough, I like the two things a lot. Right. right? So for me, for me, it's very, very close to my heart to have fun, but still productive environments. Hmm. And I think especially being a gamer is extremely helpful here because as a gamer or someone who has built games or developed games or modded games, like I think the founders of, uh, of branch have done, it's literally also branch.gg. So they're really, they're really following that. You, you know how to navigate virtual spaces, right? Mm -hmm. That's a big advantage over everyone else who is not used to it because gaming for decades has been one of the only ways of consistently navigating virtual spaces, right? Yeah, good point. Yeah. So I, I think that there's a big, big opportunity of using what has been learned in gaming and bringing it to the to the work-related uh, world. Mm -hmm. And uh, one more comment to what you actually said earlier. We literally, like back at the company, we used it and some of the clients used it to onboard customers. Mm. There was like a first room where you drop in and then you can join like the bigger offices and then you would be like... you. They would show you around and uh, they could request an additional, I don't know, plan that you put somewhere or something like that. So we had like digital office tours and sales conversations. It's, it's a lot of fun. I agree. The branch, branch actually reminds me in terms of the design very much of, uh, it's called Sococo, uh, the name of the company. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then also uh, the cool thing about, there's also Gather and Gather really looks like a video game. I love it. It could be it, it could be an, an RPG. It's like this pixel style. Uh, it's it's pretty cool. I I think there's a lot of stuff that will be happening there, and I'm very excited for it. Reminds us all of Super Mario, kind of early 2000s, where people were just getting their first Nintendos and playing around with different virtual maps, and uh, pretty pretty fancy. It, it, we going retro again, Mike. <laughs> yeah, we we are. We are, but uh, retro has also been a trend in gaming. Yeah, good point. Yeah, there, there were some very like indie-like retro pixelated games over the last couple of years that were very successful, like Stardew Valley, um, Undertale, uh, Octopath Traveler was one also for the Switch. But yeah, don't want to go too deep into gaming right now because otherwise we lose people. If you want to ever want to talk about gaming, uh, just reach out. I am very interested in it. Me too. So I think that was it on that, right? We like once there's more to talk about in the virtual headquarters space, we'll definitely maybe we actually get one of the founders on board for a conversation. That, could, that would be very interesting. Yeah, I agree. Good point. Okay. Um, next thing, one question that I had for you. Mm -hmm. What is one skill that you would like to become better at? I actually it's interesting that, that you're asking it because um I I I thought about it a bit, but um Actually, I imagine it even that if you read my mind, because in the last kind of one and a half weeks... Sometimes I do, Max. Sometimes I do. I'm aware. Yeah, yeah. sometimes you do. Um, <laughs> uh, because in the last kind of one and a half weeks, I thought about, okay, what's, what's a skill that is more or less um, evergreen that helps me in different situations and is not very, let's say, um, industry-specific or um, specific in a field of areas such as design or product or finance or whatever... And I think one of the skills that I really want to learn in the next uh, kind of months is how to think and how to think. Uh, it sounds like a very easy task. 
No, I think that it's it's I think it's very complex. Um, I mean, there are different. There was irony, <laughs> Max. I know. I'm I'm aware. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's it's um, it's such a complicated topic, uh, and there are Nobel Prize winners that wrote about it. But I think it's something that I haven't really digged into too much. So that's probably a skill that I want to learn a bit more. Also, in I think like how to think is one part, but then also how to communicate. And I think they are directly connected with each other. Using the thinking, which is uh, easy or hard, according to Mike. Um, Uh, and combining that with a good form of communication and structuring your thoughts in a more profound way. Okay, so basically what you're telling me is that in the next couple of months, you have the very operational and bite-sized task of learning how to think and how to communicate. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm going to break, break that down and write a blog article for you. How's that? Yeah, I, I would actually love that because there's so... like I mean, okay, I, I was making a bit... <laughs> fun of it but obviously both are very important skills but there's so much that you could do right you can go into like 20 different directions just thinking about where to start with how to think do you think how do you want to be become more logical do you want to understand logic theory to understand whether or not the the things someone says really make sense in terms of like a more theoretical framework or do you actually want to become better at being creative because that's a way of thinking right how how do i like generate ideas or do we want to be able to better analyze things and really understand what caused this thing what are the circumstances what are the connections there's so many different like subtopics that you could spend a lot of time on this is why i was laughing and making fun of you but obviously it's it's very very important and i think most people are not spending enough time on exactly this topic because by definition if you learn how to think you will become much much better in almost everything else right mm. so Definitely keep us updated. I will, and it keeps, and I think it it has an impact on different uh, things as well, such as writing. Uh, if you can think more clearly, you're going to write better. And so I think if you think um, better, you're going to communicate better. So I think there are kind of some second cause consequences that can be impacted by um, being better and thinking well. So I think that's something that that more or less inspired me to go deeper into it. But now it's your turn. What are, yeah. what are, what's what's the skill you want to? Yeah. First of all, like like I said, keep us updated because every sure. everything that's related to thinking more clearly or better, I I'm definitely interested in learning. And I also spent some time exactly on that like a couple of years ago, where I blocked a significant amount of time just to like think about thinking better. Mm -hmm. And yeah, my my skill is actually designing oh. because I think firstly it's just something that I really like like if something is well designed I, i very much appreciate it but i just i'm not very good at it and i think designing is actually applicable in a lot of different areas and i think about it from two different angles one most people when they think about design is just how things look right maybe designing a website designing a logo these kind of things and i think this is very interesting to me and i want to become better at that and then also designing is much more right design principles apply to how you create the blueprint for a table or how you actually think about machinery like there are all these design principles and i actually have two books that i started reading some time ago but didn't finish about design principles that i want to finish and then also just become better at using photoshop or like figma to become better at visually designing things probably i'll focus on 
mostly on websites or apps or these kind of things and just being able to like represent my ideas in a better light by making them not only prettier like just more professional in that instance because that's i think something that can help me a lot over the long term i obviously have designers i work with and both of my co-founders and many of my team members are actually very good designers but so, so it's more of a personal project and not necessarily that i would use it too much at my my day job mm. it's just something if you can do that well that would or if i could do it well it would complement my skills in, in a very effective manner i it's cool we, i think we have similar interests there i also want to dig deeper into design next year and um, i think there are kind of different impacts also when you work collaboratively with uh, colleagues if you have some design understanding it helps to frame problems uh, in a more collaborative and easier way. If you can just draw something and design something, make it understandable uh, and not just need to talk through it. Um, so I think designing also helps to manifest and, and clarify a problem. So I'm curious, like what kind of resources do you have in place now in order to dig deeper? Is that like, what kind of books are you reading? And is there a course you're taking or something that you do besides the books? Yeah, so for the design principles and everything that's theory, and that applies more to general design, not only to visual design, I have two books. One I think is called The Design of Everyday Things. And the other yeah. is 101 or 111 or like 100 something design principles. And I think that will use those to become better at theory. Mm -hmm. And then for visual design, I haven't found too much. There's, it's, there's not that much content that is really good in that area, but I do know some people who lead design schools. So I'll just ask them, I'll just ask them, hey, what, what do I have to do? And I hope that they will tell me. I can, uh, I can also share, there's a great um, article about designs. And I think that's probably very similar to what you have mentioned. It's also called the psychology of design. And it's about 101 cognitive biases related to design. So I think mm. um, you're going to love that. And I think maybe the listeners as well. I like biases. I can put that in the show notes. Yeah, please. Cool. Okay. Maybe a couple of kind of final topics that we um, we can topic uh, we can we can touch upon. Um, we, we would love to dig deeper into one topic in the future, which is also the company ByteDance. Um, so TikTok and uh, the other companies that ByteDance also. We, if you're interested, let us know. We um, we more or less deep dived uh, or we prepared a little deep dive into ByteDance or what the company does and how it um, monetizes its different services and products. Maybe we can do that in the future. But one part that we want to touch upon also was um, kind of the lists we keep. Um, so maybe, Mike, can you give us a bit of intro on kind of what lists you keep in order to separate and store your information and thoughts? Or whatever you store could also be something else. Yes, I have way too many lists. <laughs> and my like my co-founder always... Uh, like, like, May, not, not necessarily makes fun of it, but he like he always says, well, probably you have a list for it, and I usually do. So I have a lot of lists, so I'll just give you a couple of the lists I particularly enjoy, both like privately and then professionally. Like one, I have a list of favorite quotes. I actually have three different lists of favorite quotes, and I try to separate them into different different areas. But yeah, I have a, I have lists of favorite quotes. I have like the very standard list of which books I want to read. I have a list of which books I finished and I separate the lists into fiction and nonfiction. I have a very good list that I actually enjoy a lot in non-COVID times, which is people to text or to notify in general when I'm traveling to different cities or countries mm. or whatever. Yep. 
Yeah. Uh, that's one of my favorite lists. Then I also try to keep a list of my network to some degree, but not really good at that. Tried that like again and again, and I'm still waiting for the perfect personal CRM, and that would be would be more convenient. And then three other lists that I think are helpful is uh, I have a list of things that I want to do when I have free time. Because sometimes when I take free time, like time off work, mm. and specifically want to not work or not do anything super productive just for the sake of it, I sometimes don't know what to do, which is a weird feeling. So I literally write down things so that I, because afterwards, like when, I not have, when I'm not having free time again, then I'm thinking, well, I could have done these four things that would be super amazing. But sometimes in the moment, I forget it. So I just write that down. And then I also keep a list of just favorite things on the internet that I find. It can be a blog post, can be a, a meme, it can be, basically it can be anything. And uh, that, that's also a very, very nice list. And how often do you utilize the information? Do you go back to certain lists more often and to others less often or how does it work? Yeah, it really depends. So I think for some of the lists, I use them very frequently. Mm -hmm. And for some of them, I just use them whenever I need them. For, the, for example, when I find a good quote and I just put the quote in, but I don't read through the quote list too many times. Okay. And then when I need a new book, I just look into my books to read list. And whenever I think that something needs to be added, I like my mind automatically jumps to the list and then I'll just add it. Interesting. But you don't use Rome research, right? You use Notion still, right? Uh, nope, not using Rome. Apparently everyone, <laughs> not everyone, but lots of people love Rome. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I haven't, uh, I haven't really gotten, I think you need some time to actually dive into it and really understand it. And I, I didn't I didn't manage that yet. Yeah, I heard so too. I, I think actually I have some, I, I, I love how you structured it. I think we're probably quite similar and I'm still kind of exploring it. I just started a couple of weeks ago on structuring my learning section a bit different. So what I do is as soon as I listen to a podcast or I listen to, um, let's say, a speech or something that maybe also in a conversation that I've had with, with someone, then I just put it into the learnings list and I can give everything some tags and related to certain topics. Um, and, and also of course, link the, the UL of it. And that helps me to structure anything that I've learned and I can go back to it and say, Hey, I want to learn something about product or philosophy. And I, I just see a list of different elements that I can jump on and to get, to get a bit deeper into certain areas. What I also do, which I found quite helpful quite in the past, is I, I have a list for, in addition to also the ones that you mentioned, I have a, I have a list um, for media and online courses because I talk to different people and they recommend me different media articles I should read or also especially courses that I could take, whether that's in design, for example, or in thinking, well, whatever it is, and I can just structure it and also give it some tags. And as soon as I have some time to learn something new, I can jump into the course list and uh, jump on a course that I want to learn and, and see as a big next opportunity for myself. So that really helps me to structure my thoughts and also gather different course ideas that a lot of people have in the network. And at the beginning, I just lost them because I didn't put them somewhere. And I think there were a lot of ideas that I just didn't uh, go back to. Um, and one thing that also helped me, and, and you mentioned it also a little bit, is to have a personal CM. I have that within Notion where I just have a section that is called calls or meetings. So as soon as I have a call, I go back to it and I put the name in and I more or less recall what we have talked about. And I put usually start to put a reminder on it so that I actually go back to that person if it's an important person to me within a certain time frame. So that helps me to at least keep my connections um, 
as strong as they have them, but I think it's still a challenge. I think if there's a solution out there that would solve both of our problems, we would definitely be um, very happy when it comes to personal CM. So that's, but also that's, I think we have a very similar structure to building the lists and organizing thoughts and themes. Yeah. And I also, I also, at, at least in my life, sometimes I use them extremely frequently and sometimes I totally forget about them. Mm-hmm. If there's like too much stuff happening, I'm, I'm not keeping up with all the lists and all my knowledge dumps, mm-hmm. but uh, I can always go back to them, which is very, very helpful. Good point. Yeah. And I mean, I actually, one thing I wanted to mention is because we both mentioned the book uh, list um, and also books we have read. Uh, we're going to put in the show notes um, a template in case you're using Notion that helps to structure your book notes. It's something that I've discovered um, a couple of weeks ago or months ago, I think. Um, and it helped me to rethink about my book uh, note structure. And I can definitely recommend it. I think it's by a YouTuber that has invented it. Um, and if you don't use Notion, you can still use structure of it. So I think it's good to look, take a look at it. Okay. Uh, in the interest of time, since both of us have other meetings after after this one we will skip a couple of the usual things so you don't get a quote today the quote is there is no quote or do you have a quote i have i have a quote okay there will be a quote everyone anything else you want to touch before we finish off afterwards uh no uh you you don't get any book recommendations today but we will link uh, some blog articles that we talked about so you can read up on those and you mentioned some books in regards to design so i think yeah yeah oh yeah that's good yeah i literally i wanted to suggest as a book recommendation uh the design of everyday things today so thanks for mentioning that max (laughs) irony pure (laughs) okay um I, I, I use a quote um, from actually Ray Dalio that he used in his book, uh, Principles, which I found interesting. And then we got to shut off. But um, it's a bit longer, so be prepared. I am. Radical open-mindedness is motivated by the genuine worry that you might not be seeing your choices optimally. It is the ability to effectively explore different points of view, views and different possibilities without letting your ego or your blind spots get in your way. It requires you to replace your attachment to always being right with the joy of learning what's true. It was a good quote. I, I really like it. It's a good book and I, I agree. I think having an open mind and just focusing on learning and not on being right is very, very difficult, but a very joyful experience. Good finisher. Thanks, Mike, for, for the chat. It was good talking. It was very good. Have a good day. Likewise.